Hey, Chuck, go deep, bro. Oh! Oh! Right in the pill. Welcome back. It is I, the J-Strom, and you have returned to the Chuck Series Companion. Welcome to the show. It is time to talk about our favorite show. That's right, I say our. I assume you love Chuck just as much as I do. After all, you are listening to this podcast. Um, I love Chuck. It's my favorite show. And I'm doing this podcast to uh, share my love of the show with you. So today we are going to talk about Season 1, Episode 7, Chuck versus the Alma Mater. And what's funny, when I started this podcast, if you go back and listen to Chuck versus the Intersect, the very first episode of this podcast, I talk about how I'm not sure when I went from liking Chuck the show to loving Chuck the show. And whenever I'm going to do an episode of this show, this is now the seventh time, I watch the episode again, and I don't take notes or anything, because uh, notes don't do me any good. I just want to watch it and kind of remember how I feel as I watch it. And one of the things that I got from this episode is this was the first episode of season one where I felt emotion. And I'm not talking about... um, laughter or excitement or whatever. Sure, that came before in the first six episodes, but this is the first one where I felt an emotional thing for the characters. And it's kind of hard to explain until we get to that point in the episode, but this is a very special episode, Chuck versus the Alma Mater, and I can't wait to uh, talk about it more. But before then, I want to talk about a few things. First of all, I'd like to direct you to chuckpodcast.blogspot.com, the blog where I post every episode of the Chuck Series Companion. I also blog about each episode as I do them. So I write a little about what I thought of the episode, and then I post links uh, to the songs and links from reviews by Alan Seppenwall or Eric Goldman. And the reason I am posting those reviews is because those critics reviewed those episodes after they aired, like the night they aired or the next day. So they're, it's interesting to see how they felt about the show so far. And it's also fun to look at comment sections where people are like, Oh my god, I re- this show is a lot of fun. I'm really liking this. This and Reaper are my two favorite shows. Or something like that. Or, man, Morgan sure is getting on my nerves. Or something like that. The reason I think it's interesting is because when I did a series rewatch after Chuck ended on uh, Blu-ray... It's almost like when I watched a particularly good episode and I was excited about it, it was over, there was no one to talk to about it. So I would go and look for reviews of that episode, and I found Alan Seppenwall. And the reason I like his reviews so much is because he has quite a bit of comments after each episode. I don't always agree with the comments. Sometimes people are nitpicking, but I think it's interesting to read other people's thoughts. And sometimes you're like, well, you know, I didn't need these people's opinions in my head after all. I was fine with my own thoughts. But sometimes it's cool to share, like, especially after a really good episode where you're like, oh, wow, man, I really love this. I wish I could talk to somebody about it. And that's kind of the point of my podcast is uh, I want this show to be for people who love Chuck just as much as I do. You now have somebody to uh, share the episode with. Um, And that's what I want this to be. I want it to be a beacon for Chuck fans, people to find it. And one of those ways is iTunes. And the show is now on iTunes. You can find it linked there on chuckpodcast.blogspot.com. 
But also, I need your reviews. If you could please review and rate the show, it'll help it show up in iTunes. When I do a search for Chuck right now, I can't find my podcast. I have to specifically type in the Chuck series companion. I want the show to show up when people do a search for Chuck. because, um, And the reason this is important to me is because when I did a series rewatch of Chuck, I was like, hey, I wonder if there's any Chuck podcasts out there. And I typed in Chuck in iTunes, and I found a couple. One of them didn't work anymore. The other one that exists is okay, but it's not really the kind of show that I wanted, the one that I envisioned listening to. That's why I'm making this. This is the show. This is the Chuck podcast I wanted all along. I don't need to hear what the ratings were that night when it aired, because those don't matter anymore, guys. The show's over. It's now on Netflix. People, No one cares what the ratings for a particular episode were. It doesn't matter anymore. So if you could leave me a review on iTunes uh, and review the show, that would be so awesome, and I'd appreciate it so much. Adam, one of our listeners, Adam from the Bay Area, thank you so much. He's the first one to leave a review. Who wants to be the second person? I would love it if you would, and I will mention you on the show. Also, I would love feedback. Send me an email at nimpodcast at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail, and I'll play it on the show call 1206-309-4729. I'd appreciate that so much, guys. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into Chuck versus the Alma Mater. This episode was written by Ann Kofel Saunders. She is a veteran of the show Battlestar Galactica. She wrote 6 episodes of that, the new Battlestar Galactica, of course. She's written Eureka. She's written 6 episodes of Smallville. She wrote eight episodes of Revolution, and she wrote two episodes of Chuck. As I said before, this is a really good episode. This is a very strong episode in season one. And I'm going to say this, and this is a very important beginning to the Bryce Larkin arc and the story. You know, we heard about uh, Bryce in the pilot. We saw him get killed by Casey. He sent the Intersect to Chuck in an email. Uh, Chuck uh, thought of him as a really good friend until he betrayed him. It has been mentioned that he stole Chuck's girlfriend. He also framed him for cheating and got him kicked out of Stanford. So we know all of this stuff about Bryce, but we don't know him that well as a person. So this is kind of cool how this episode kind of lets us in on some things. So I want to thank Ann Kofel Saunders for writing such a cool episode. And this episode was directed by Patrick R. Norris. And I know I, be, I sound, start to sound like a broken record when I keep talking about these uh, directors of Chuck, how they're veterans of television. But uh, it's true. These guys are pros who have been directing a long time. I mean, if I were to list you all of uh, Patrick Norris's uh, credits, it would take me forever but he's directed so many shows i'll list the ones he's directed multiple episodes of dawson's creek once and again roswell star trek enterprise the division the oc he directed six episodes he directed uh six episodes of friday night lights which is also one of my favorite shows of all time fantastic show friday night lights he's also directed greek he directed Gossip Girl, and even now he's doing lots of great work on Parenthood, uh, Heart of Dixie, Pretty Little Liars, etc. But he has directed seven episodes of Chuck, all the way up until season five. So just to name a few besides this one, Chuck versus the Cougars, Chuck versus the Beefcake, Chuck versus the Tic Tac. Chuck versus the Seduction Impossible, Chuck versus the Masquerade, the Bearded Bandit. So he's directed a lot of great episodes of Chuck too, and it's so cool when you see this. There's kind of a recurring theme here when I list off Chuck directors, as they come back time and again to direct other episodes of Chuck. I don't know. Maybe that says something about the consistency of Chuck and how great it was, and uh, how great it looked even. So uh, that's pretty cool. That's our credits for this week on the writers and directors. Now, without further ado, let's get into Chuck versus the alma mater. 
The episode begins at Stanford. A professor is lecturing his class on subliminal images. It's our subconscious that we're going to be talking about today. How can we penetrate the human mind? How can we understand it? How many images do you see? Ten. There are hundreds of images compressed inside this picture. The encoding is special. So it sounds to me like the professor is describing the way the intersect works with hidden images and encoding. Uh, Your brain may see a picture, but it's actually seeing so many other things, which we know Chuck's brain is particularly good at. Now, everything seems to be going okay with the lecture until this mysterious figure walks in and the professor looks kind of freaked out when he sees him. I include a section on subliminal image recognition where you'll... Um, thank you. We'll, um, we'll end early today. Class dismissed. Professor, how can we isolate... The professor then rushes to his office. It's there he makes an urgent call for help. This is Glass Castle reporting hostile contact. I made a mistake, black coat. I copied intel for myself onto a disk. They're after it. I know I shouldn't have. Luckily, the professor gets away from this mysterious killer, who I assume is a killer because he has a knife. Cut to the buy more. Morgan's trying to get Chuck's attention, but Chuck's on the phone. But finally, Morgan says the magic word, spies, and he gets Chuck's attention. Chuck, we have an emergency. We need to talk. I'm on the phone. Sh- not here, not here. There are spies at the buy more. Spies, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tang's minions, man. They're everywhere. But there's no spies at all. It's Morgan just talking about Harry Tang and comparing him to Sauron. So we get a few Lord of the Rings references here. While at the same time reminding Chuck that he did not get promoted. He's like the Dark Lord Sauron from Lord of the Rings. Only instead of the Ring of Power, he's taken over control of the assistant managership. Yeah, from me. Right, thanks for the reminder. Got it, man. Listen, we need your help, Chuck. Help? What am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm just, just one small hobbit. So thought Frodo Baggins, my friend. So thought Frodo Baggins. I love this one. Morgan shows Chuck Harry Tang's list of rules and it's from the desk of Harry Tang? He doesn't even have a desk. Rules and regulations for the Bymore break room. From the desk of Harry Tang? He doesn't even have a desk. This is an affront to human decency. No swearing, no expectorating, no fornicating. Wait, people be getting freaky in the break room? No. No. But I'd like to know that I had the option. Okay, so it's a little strict. It's torture, man. The no drug policy includes Red Bull. Oh, ouch. I remember the last time you tried to detox. But I love it. Harry Tang now shows up and we get to see his embroidered buy more shirt. How am I supposed to move electronics with the sweaty shakes? I'm sorry, fellas, but is this the talk more? No, sir. It's the buy more. So why don't you get back to helping these nice customers buy more electronics, Mr. Grimes? I'm oh, sorry, but is Harry wearing a new assistant manager polo shirt? It's monogrammed. He must be stopped. Yeah. Cut to the home theater room. Uh, Casey's just called Chuck in there. And Chuck can't help but comment on the high-def screen, sh- really showing off Beckman's wrinkles. Oh, boy. Wow. That new high-def screen sure shows every wrinkle. They can hear you. What? Twinkle? Every twinkle in her eye. Eyes. Uh, Yeah, nice save there, Chuck. Now when General Beckman debriefs the team, uh, she reveals that the professor is now missing, and Chuck doesn't flash on the guy. He knows him. He was his professor at Stanford. So Chuck's kind of freaking out here. We have a situation. A CIA asset has gone missing. We've had no communication from him for two days. No way. What, did you flash? No, I don't have to. That guy was my professor at Stanford. Wait, asset? He's CIA? My professor was a spy? The CIA recruits on campuses across the country. Professor Fleming is a company scientist, not an operative. This is our last communication from him. This is Glass Castle reporting hostile contact. I made a mistake, black coat. I copied intel for myself onto a disk. 
They're after it. I know I shouldn't. Do we know what intel he copied? We don't. He's handled many sensitive projects for us over the years, and he leaked proved devastating. How can we help? Fleming has contacts in L.A. If we find him, you can extract him. We'd like your help on this, Chuck. What's interesting here is that General Beckman and Director Graham are outright asking Chuck for his help. He's been to Stanford. He had this guy as his professor. Could he please help? But Chuck immediately, because of the trauma, I guess, of being kicked out of Stanford, he says no. Chuck outright says no. It shows really just how much the whole Stanford thing traumatized him. It really sucked. Look, I, I, I really don't think I'm your go-to guy on this one. Your knowledge of Fleming and Stanford is key here. We only have his official reports. You have a personal connection. Yeah, I do have a personal connection, a very bad personal connection. Look, you guys have the file, okay? You know all about Fleming and what happened to me. The guy kicked me out of school. Professor Fleming is one of us. Maybe you can find somebody else to help you this time. Maybe just this once. All right, now let's cut to the Bartowski homestead. By now, we're all familiar with the fountain there in the courtyard, and it's pretty awesome. And speaking of awesome, there's Awesome playing with his frat buddies from UCLA. And we hear the song Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis. Hey! Well, you must be a girl with shoes like that. She said you know me well. I'm seeing you a little Steven and Joanne around the back of my hotel. Oh, yeah. Someone said she was asking after me, but I know your best is a blagger. I said, tell me your name, is it sweet? She said, my boy is Dagger. Oh, yeah. I think the first time I became familiar with the band The Fratellis was in the Hot Fuzz soundtrack. They're a really cool band, and it's cool to hear them here on Chuck. UCLA Brain Trust. Those are Devin's fraternity brothers. We are actually all caravanning up to Stanford for the UCLA game this weekend. And what a coincidence. Ellie and Devin and the gang, they're going to head up to Stanford for the big UCLA Stanford game. And this is a pretty funny moment when Chuck totally gets racked by a football. Hey, Chuck, go deep, bro. Oh! Oh! Right in the pill. I love that. Right in the pills. <laughs> to make things worse, Awesome got Chuck a ticket to the game, which he's already voiced before. He never wants to return to Stanford. So just, please, 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 don't, please don't touch me. Chuck, come on, man. Let me make it up to you, bro. Get up. I got your ticket for the game. Wow. Thanks. But uh, Sarah and I already have plans. It's your alma mater, dude. Look, no offense, but I'd rather get hit. In the produce section again, then go back to that place. <laughs> Suit yourself. So Ellie tries to talk to Chuck. You know, I know this is bad for you, but come on. How bad could it be? And then Chuck really tells, you know, like, hey, does nobody understand here? Stanford was going to change Chuck's life. He's going to set up his whole future. And it all got ruined. And, and we know that Chuck kind of, he views himself as a loser. He kind of beats himself up. And maybe I can relate to Chuck in this way because I beat myself up all the time. Shoulda, woulda, couldas, things from the past that you shouldn't dwell on, decisions you made. If only I'd done this, if only I'd done that. And Chuck is in a dead-end job. You know, he's working for the CIA now. He has the intersect, but he's viewing that more of a burden right now. It's not till later he views it as a positive, something that maybe could change his life. So Ellie means well here, but Chuck's not listening. Uh, Listen, I know that Stanford doesn't hold a lot of good memories for you. Look, Ellie, Ellie, they kicked me out for something I didn't do. Okay, so that's it. Me and Stanford, we're officially done. And now another great song by Oasis, Don't Look Back in Anger. And this is a perfect song for this moment where Chuck is now going through his Stanford stuff and reminiscing. Slip inside the eye of your mind Don't you know 
Chuck is looking through his box of Stanford stuff, and he flashes back to 2003 when he's packing that very box. And it's a painful memory for him. And I'm trying to think, this might be the first, like, real flashback for us here on Chuck. It's got the sepia tone, so we know it's a flashback, and uh, Chuck does the walk of shame downstairs. Sucks you have to leave, Chuck. I don't get it, Bryce. Why are you doing this? You do this to yourself. Wow, that was some cold stuff right there from Bryce. And I love that Chuck even has his Tron poster there with him in college. (laughs) So he goes to the trash and he dumps it in. He's going to now throw away his Stanford stuff for good. But he drops his school ID on the ground and something pretty amazing happens. Chuck flashes on himself and he's pretty freaked out. So he goes right to Casey to ask him, what the hell is going on? What? I just flashed on myself. Why am I in the intersect? So now Sarah's there and they're trying to figure out why indeed Chuck is in the intersect. So you don't know why I'm in the intersect. Well, you didn't appear on the NSA radar until after Bryce sent you the intersect. Some of the CIA. Why don't I find that reassuring? So the files that you saw were of you in college, right? Yes, yes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What about Professor Fleming? I was in his class. He was CIA. Could that be it? Well, if we can find Fleming, maybe he could give us some answers. Okay. So Chuck figures out that indeed the professor he had at Stanford may have answers for him. But unfortunately, he's in hiding from this Icelandic assassin named Magnus. New intel suggests the professor is being hunted. The NSA interviewed one witness in Fleming's class who ID'd a Magnus Einarsson. He's an Icelandic spy. I'm sorry, Iceland does espionage? Magnus buys and sells intel to the highest bidder. And Iceland isn't officially aware of his activities. <laughs> it says here the crossbow is his weapon of choice. Oh, what? Slingshot's too ineffective? I like that line. What? Slingshot's too ineffective? So, uh, with all that dealt with, Chuck returns to work at the Buy More, and, and he shows up just in time to have lunch with Morgan. But Morgan explains to him that uh, he just finished lunch. It's this new lunch schedule they have. Hey, buddy, where are you going? My lunch break is over. You haven't seen? Seen what? New staggered lunch schedule. Dude. Single shifts. No more fraternization in the break room. We can't even eat lunch together anymore. (laughs) I love the way Chuck says, (laughs) no Wednesday, Friday, surf and turf. (laughs) No more Wednesday, Friday, surf and turf. Larry Tang is drunk with power. He could have an accident. But then Anna Wu has an interesting idea. He could have an accident. I'm just saying, I know a guy very reasonable. His rates, I mean, not him. I think outside of the box, Anna. Me likey. What do you say, Chuck? Are you too crazy? What? No, I'm not going to have a guy rubbed out just because he upsets our lunch routine. <laughs> so uh, Chuck objects to having Harry Tang assassinated, but I love the moment when uh, Morgan tears up the lunch schedule and throws it. The music becomes ominous as Harry catches the wad of paper. It's pretty funny. I see. So you've already thrown in the towel. Cool. Not me, Chuck. I'm not getting pushed around anymore. Away. I hope you were aiming for the recycling bin, Grimes. Now that I'm instituting a new Buy More Green program, tree hugging is all the rage these days. I plan on exploiting the burgeoning conscience of the American consumer. Well, that's very inspiring, Harry. And I love, <laughs> I love when Morgan talks back to Harry, and Harry's like, "I'm gonna be the one who breaks you, Grimes. You know why? Because you're soft, like pudding." <laughs> I love when Morgan gets self-conscious. I've been doing all these crunches, man. I know, buddy. Yeah. 
later at the uh, nerd herder counter, uh, I love it when Casey rings the bell and Chuck questions, Casey, did you make an offer to Anna to kill Harry Tang? And I love Casey's response. You didn't offer to kill Harry for Anna, did you? No. Why? You want me to kill him? No. No. Just curious. <laughs> it almost seems like Chuck kind of second guesses there. Like, no, no. Uh, it's bad, but bad idea. Don't do that. But Casey has a traffic cam pick of the professor. Maybe now they could actually find this guy. We just got a hit off a traffic camera in Hollywood. That's Fleming. Thanks. You just saved me a lot of investigative work there, Intersect. The DMV told me that. Wow, sarcasm. What a surprise. They located the car Fleming's driving, a local address. We're bringing him in ASAP. So what do you need me for? Yours is a friendly face. Your professor sees you there, he'll be more inclined to cooperate. Copy? Yeah, except that I wasn't exactly the professor's star pupil. We leave in three. So Casey thinks they found the professor, and uh, Chuck kind of thinks about that time in Stanford when he was first told he was going to be expelled for cheating. Poor Chuck, he was totally clueless about the whole thing. He had, he really was framed, set up, and kicked out of school. And I can understand why he's still upset about this. Whenever there's some kind of great injustices in the world. Guys, I remember in the third grade when the teacher wrote my name on the chalkboard and said I was chewing gum. And I could tell you guys truthfully and honestly, I had no gum in my mouth. I do not know why she thought I did. And it was a great injustice in my life. And I remember it to this day. Uh, okay, so maybe that's not the same thing. But still, you get what I mean. As you're aware, you scored perfectly on your midterm exam. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, I was up all night studying. It was a monster. No mm. offense. You even aced the last section. Encoded images. That, yeah, those are just kind of a shot in the dark. <laughs> you may be aware. I keep an answer key to every exam locked inside this office. No, no, I wasn't aware of that. Really? Then how do you explain the midterm answer key being found in your fraternity room? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, what? You searched my room? We received a tip from a student this morning. <laughs> what, you, you got a tip about my room? I need to know how you broke into this office and stole the answers, Chuck. I, I didn't steal anything. I, I don't have to. I'm acing your class. Exactly. The student also claimed that you're selling copies. What? I know you're a scholarship student and that Stanford is a very expensive school. Look, look, wh whoever gave you your tip was lying. Our source was Bryce Larkin. So now we know based on that flashback that it was indeed Bryce Larkin who even framed Chuck, which we knew that anyway, but it really kind of hits home there that he was his roommate and he turned him in. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this Bryce guy is seeming like a real jerk. So on the last episode, we had a very gross mystery CRISPR game. This one is more my speed. It's Fingers of Fury. Each Buy More contestant has a remote. And as they flip through to different channels, they have to quickly identify the show. And this is kind of a cool nostalgia thing. I mean, this is back in 2007. If you guys remember a lot of these shows, it's really cool. So let's cut back to the game and uh, see who's the better of the two. Lester or the great Morgan Grimes? All right. We all know the game. We all know the rules. This is Fingers of Fury. The win goes to the contestant who can identify the most TV shows in a minute. All right. Who do you want next? I challenge the ruling champion, Morgan Grimes. That's Mr. Morgan Grimes, if you're nasty. Really? Ooh, the suspense. You don't want me, punk. Oh, yes, I do. Challenge accepted. Bang. <laughs> On my mark. Three, two, one. Mark. Dukes of Hazard. Country Hill. Veronica Mars. Grimmel Girls. Cold Case. Uh, Nick Tuck. Animaniacs. Growing uh, pants. Smallville. OC season two. Thinking the brain. Underrated. Kung Fu the movie. With, with, uh, Night Court. Night Court. So, do you guys remember at the beginning of the episode when Morgan described Harry Ting as Sauron? Now, uh, Harry Ting shows up here to reveal he has the one remote to rule them all. Wow. Um, they're not changing. Anna, the channels are not changing. It is now mine. The one remote that controls them all. The master remote. Your slacking days are over. Tang, there aren't even any customers. 
Three repair orders just came in, which you nerds would know if you were at your stations. And Grimes, since there aren't any more customers, I need a cleanup in the diaper changing station. Wear a mask. Oh, and what's even worse is he puts Morgan on diaper station duty. Yuck. What's funny is for the first time ever, I noticed that Tim Jones's music sounds like Lord of the Rings there. How awesome is Tim Jones? I mean, seriously, he can do anything. So cut to Team Bartowski, and they're sitting and waiting to see if the professor shows up. And Sarah tells Chuck the all-too-familiar words. We'll extract the professor as quickly as possible. You'll keep watch? If I flash on any bad guys, I'll call. Everything looks quiet, but... I know, I know. Stay in the car. But only a few moments pass when the professor ends up walking by with some groceries and Chuck tries to get his attention. Professor Fleming! Hey! Professor Fleming! Professor Stop! We're here to extract you! Glass Castle! Glass Castle! I'm sorry, I didn't... I didn't mean to scare you, but it's... It's, it's Chuck. I, I, I was in your... Your psychology and symbolism class at stanford i don't know if you remember me <laughs> and i love it the professor's like oh chuck bartowski chuck bartowski of course i remember you <laughs> i guess it's not every day you kick a guy out of school huh at least i hope not so you're uh with the agency now why didn't you say so so here the professor asked chuck you know why didn't you tell me you were with the agency and he teaches chuck uh code word i love how chuck kind of gets a kick out of this like oh okay that's pretty cool i don't think i'm supposed to really well we have code phrases didn't they train you i i mostly just stay in the car next time if it's a dangerous situation say are you coming to the toga party <laughs> real real code phrase i like it that's awesome so uh so what are we doing now who's who's bringing me in oh right yeah so uh sarah and casey We'll, we'll do that. And I love this moment where Chuck, you know, he takes a moment. I just need to ask you something. Uh, why was there a file on me with the CIA? And the professor kind of thinks about it and he goes, I'm sorry. And you hear a thud. And <laughs> I don't know, this moment is so funny, but it's also kind of morbid that the guy just got shot in the back with a frigging crossbow. But Chuck is like, oh, hey, hey. And he thinks he wants a hug. So he hugs him until his hand fills the arrow in its back. It's a pretty funny scene. Why did the CIA have a file on me at Stanford? I'm sorry. Oh, hey. Hey, 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 buddy. Let's not beat ourselves up. You know, the past is the past. <laughs> okay, look, th- uh, we didn't really know each other that well at college, and this is a little awkward, so... Let's, uh... Oh, oh boy. Hey, hey, hang in there. Hang, hang in there. <laughs> but the professor falls on Chuck, and he says, Give this to Bryce Larkin! When Magnus, the crossbow-wielding assassin, shows up. Give this to Bryce Larkin. Bryce? Bryce Larkin? What what did Bryce have to do with this? I'm nobody, I swear. Casey, come on. Over here. Man down! Man down! Help me! Help! Hey, hey, come on! Come on! So let's cut to Chuck's room where Casey and Sarah show up to let Chuck know that the professor is now in surgery. And was that indeed Magnus? I'm sorry, Chuck, but we have to talk. Okay. So how was the hospital? Is the professor going to be okay? They're putting him into surgery now. Problem is we can't talk to him, sort this mess out. You sure it was Magnus you saw? Gee, I don't know, Casey. How many psycho archers do you know? And, of course, Chuck, like always, is beating himself up. He shouldn't have even mentioned Stanford to the professor. He should have just brought him right to Casey and Sarah. But that's what Chuck does. It's not his fault. Come on. The Magnus was a killer. He would have found him. I asked Fleming about Stanford, about why I was in the intersect. I should have brought him right to you. I'm sorry. Hey, it's not your fault, Chuck. Yeah, well, I keep thinking about what he said. Why would he want me to bring those numbers to Bryce? Bryce must have been one of his CIA contacts, and Fleming was probably never told of his death. So they determined that the professor had no idea that Bryce is dead, 
And Chuck can't even remember the numbers that were on the piece of paper he wanted to give Bryce in the first place. List off the numbers you remember. I don't know. There were like ten of them. A couple of nines, a five. It definitely started with a two. That's it. You have a computer for a brain that's Look, like- it was a very stressful situation, okay, Casey? I watched a guy get skewered by a crossbow. Look, Fleming knew something. Chuck is convinced now that the professor knows something about why he's in the intersect. Right before he fell, he said, I'm sorry. Why would he say that? I don't know, Chuck. Yeah, well, I think he might know why I'm in the intersect. So cut to Chuck entering Ellie's room, and she's packing stuff for their big Stanford trip, and she's like, are you sure you don't want to go? And, of course, he still doesn't want to go. And it's a nice conversation between uh, Chuck and Ellie, like they always are. You okay? It's not too late for you to change your mind about revisiting the old alma mater. Spending some time with me and Devin. Oh, please. I just don't want to be stuck in a car alone with awesome frat buddies. Maybe. Or maybe I'm your sister, and I care about you, and I think that going back to Stanford would help you to move on. I love you, sis. And and I'd take a lot of bullets for you, but five hours in a car with awesome and his brawls... That is asking too much. Besides, if I came, you wouldn't have room for your fun old foam finger. What is this? I don't know, but look at what I found. And while packing things for Stanford, Ellie has found an old book of Chuck's, one that he checked out from the Stanford library and never returned. You see this? It was in my old college stuff. The decline and fall of the Roman Empire. You want me to return it to the Stanford library for you? No, no, I'd kind of like to finish it. See how it ends. Chuck, that book is like four years overdue. What do you think Stanford's going to do, huh? Expel me? Now we get this cool song by Goose called Trendsetter. It's this kind of cool techno music, and it's a flashback back to Stanford in 2003 when Chuck and Bryce still were friends. And I also like to think of this scene as like a film reference to the movie called Gotcha. Have you guys ever seen Gotcha? Gotcha was a film from 1985 starring Anthony Edwards and Linda Fiorentino. He plays a college student who plays a game called Gotcha in which you hunt and are hunted by other students with paint guns on campus. And that's what this scene kind of reminds me of. Because obviously Chuck and Bryce are playing some fun game with dart guns where they're hunting each other. It actually looks like a lot of fun. And we learn that Bryce is actually pretty exceptionally good at it because he doesn't play fair. He uses deception. You're a dead man, Chuck Bartowski. Buddy, I know you're out of ammo. I've been counting. Buddy. Oh, oh, oh. You wouldn't fire an unarmed guy. I might. It's hardly sportsmanlike. What's this? Gynecology for geeks. Good? Oh, is it a good read? Gotcha. Larkin over Bartowski again. But then Chuck turns the book on its side and he recognizes the way it's numbered is the same way the note to Bryce was that the professor wanted to give him. I know what the numbers mean. They're for a book in the Stanford library. Bryce had a place where he would stash stuff, right? I bet he told Fleming about it. The professor must have left the intel there for Bryce to find. And now it's only a matter of time before Magnus figures it out and beats us to the book. Bingo. Unless we can beat him to it. Well, Bryce kept his stuff on the third floor. It was There was a turn... Chuck is determined that the intel is probably hidden in the Stanford library, and he tries to explain to Casey where it could possibly be, and then soon he comes to the conclusion that he's going back to Stanford. And I love the way Casey goes, cool. I'd have to be there to remember. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I have to go back to Stanford. Cool. 
Now, cut to Stanford, and we have a song by the band Switches called Drama Queen. And this is a song I had no idea it existed until I saw it on Chuck, and it's a pretty cool song. So Chuck's pretty freaked out that pretty much nothing about Stanford has changed. It's exactly the same. And uh, Devin's even there acting like he's a college student, acting like a jackass, picking up Ellie and twirling her around. This is really freaking me out. It's like nothing has changed. Is that good or bad? It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. Ladies ready to rock? Yeah, when you put it that way, maybe not. But Chuck passes up the opportunity to hang out there, and he wants to take Sarah on the Chuck Bartowski tour. Yeah, I'm going to take Sarah for the Chuck Bartowski memorial tour. So call me if any rabid Stanford fans decide to put Austin in the hospital. And I love the college student going up to Casey, and he's like, Hey, want to plant a Stanford tree? And of course, what Casey says is priceless. But what's funny is keep an eye on this college student here. He may show up later. And I can't believe I forgot to mention this, but at the very beginning of the episode, when the professor sees the assassin while he's giving his lecture, a student comes up to him to ask him a question. It's this girl. She may turn up later in the episode also. Plant a Stanford tree. Create a renewable resource for your children's future. You want to save our environment, huh? Take a shower, hippie. Nice job blending in with the crowd. Who are you rooting for, death? Uh, leave the quips to me. Hey. The library's this way across the quad. I love how Casey says, leave the quips to me. What is it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I figured this would be tough, but this place is just a lot to take in, you know? I used to have so much fun here, and then... And then? Now Chuck is feeling bummed, thinking about how this was like the best time of his life to the worst time of his life. It was the worst day of my life. Getting kicked out of here. Having to hear Ellie's voice when I told her I was coming home. Packing up all my stuff and leaving as Bryce just stood there. Said I brought it on myself. Why do you think that Bryce betrayed you? I don't know. He's had four years to call and set the record straight. Now that he's gone. You know what? Forget it. Bryce has betrayed a lot of people, hasn't he? I like how Casey says, Roger that. And I like this. It's pretty funny when they're about to enter the library. Casey's saying, okay, we got to keep cool. Magnus may be in here. And I love how Sarah says, should you go wait in the car? And Chuck's like, yeah, that always works out real well. And, you know, he's right. He's supposed to stay in the car. He doesn't. And he gets into trouble or he saves the day. So what's the point? Chuck doesn't need to stay in the car. He needs to be in the middle of the action. Am I right? We have to play this really cool. Magnus has the library book number. He could have beaten us here. You think he's in there? Look, maybe you should stay here. Yeah, because that always works out well. Anyway, you can't find the book without me. I'm going in. Then Chuck's kind of worried because he doesn't have a school ID and he can't get in the library. But uh, Casey took it upon himself to reinstate Chuck's school ID. Oh, no, 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 no. Looking for this? You stole my ID? I borrowed it to reactivate it. Sorry, I couldn't wipe the idiot grin off your face with the Photoshop. <laughs> I love how Casey says, sorry, I couldn't wipe the idiot grin off. What's funny is Chuck's ID shows up on the librarian's computer and he's like, we may have. <laughs> it's just so funny because this is done like in uh, espionage thrillers where a bad guy is identified and the security sees him. But in this case, it's a Stanford library and it's a librarian. So it's a funny twist on the whole scenario. We have a situation. So right after the librarian says we have a situation, then cut to the buy more break room and Morgan announces they also have a situation. And he's trying to rally the troops. They must fight back against the tyranny of Harry Tang. We have a situation here. Harry Tang is a control freak. And his master remote is a symbol of that control. It's his totem. 
We steal the remote and we take control of the televisions in the store. Rendering Harry impotent. So Morgan wants to steal the master remote back from Harry. And I love when Anna Wu says, rendering him impotent. And Jeff says, that's totally curable, by the way. <laughs> the looks he gets from other people is pretty funny. That's totally curable, by the way. Yeah. Here's the thing. He keeps the remote in his locker, does he not? He does, but it's padlocked. Harry has the only key. So. I can get it. Trust me. You do not want to know. Hmm. I, I do want to know. Yeah, yeah, want to know. So Anna Wu is taking it upon herself to get the keys. And here we have another Hall and Oates song, guys. Do you guys remember Chuck versus the Sizzling Shrimp? We had Private Eyes. But now we have Hall and Oates Man Eater. Manager Tang. I'm busy. I'd like your opinion about how we could streamline our standing work orders to operate more efficiently. Well, that's an admirable goal, young lady. You know, your new position of authority has changed you. You look different. Maybe it's the new monogram shirt. Maybe it's just the cut of your slacks. I hope you plan to make other changes around the buy more. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can't wait for your next massive, invasive move. And it's great the way Anna Wu seduces Harry Tang and they steal his keys. It's pretty hilarious. Harry never had a chance. Well, uh, <clears throat> for starters, I, I think that the uh, staff sits around too far. Park too often. So back at the library, Chuck, Casey, and Sarah arrive at the aisle that uh, Chuck remembers seeing Bryce at. But there's books all over the floor. They're pretty sure that uh, they're too late and they're totally screwed. There, there, that row. Oh, no. We're too late. Magnus beat us here. He's got the book. Hold on. But then Chuck kind of flashes back to that moment, and he remembers that Bryce didn't only pick up a book, but he actually, like, hit a lever or something. Some kind of cool spy stuff. Gotcha. The intel. The book number was just a way to mark the spot for the professor. Okay, well, let's get out of here before Magnus realizes that book he has is worthless. Hey, you! Don't move! Charles Bartowski. So it's cool. They found the disc that uh, was hidden there for Bryce with the intel from the professor, And then the librarian shows up. And this scene is actually pretty funny. You guys know that I've seen this episode multiple times. And possibly you have too. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. But the librarian walks up and he's like, hey, Chuck Bartowski. And all of a sudden, Magnus shows up at the other end. And miraculously, the librarian just disappears from the scene. And he's no longer there. It's actually kind of funny. But uh, I love hearing the amount of money that Chuck owes. And he's like, do you take credit cards? <laughs> but then watches the librarian just disappears. Poof. You still owe the library $294.68 in late fees. Do you, do you take credit cards? This isn't funny. Chuck, run. Head for the back door, Chuck. So there's Magnus, and Sarah says to run, and uh, the librarian's gone. Oh, well, no big deal. Just something I noticed watching this a a few times. (laughs) Perhaps he ducked around the corner when he saw a gun. Uh, Perhaps he has teleportation powers. It doesn't really matter. Now let's cut to Chuck running for his life. I love when Casey finds Chuck and he's like, there you are. And he elbows the dude right in the face. I love how the college guys are like, whoa, the dude's wasted, man. There you are. Hey, you! Freeze! 
All right, they spotted us. Okay, we have to go. I swear the school has it in for me. Come on. Cut back to the break room and Morgan now has Harry's locker open and he's looking for the master remote. But all is not as it seems. Jackpot, baby. Looking for something, Mr. Grimes? Are you kidding me? You betrayed us? I love Lester's face as he's presented with a monogrammed Bymore shirt. He's so happy with himself. <sighs> nice try, pudding. I'm not afraid of you, Harry, okay? You can't fire me. No, but I can make you wish I did. I need fresh bodies in the hole. Come on, dude, not not the hole. Harry, just let's... Oh, no. And Morgan gets sent to the hole, which we'll find out what that is later. But cut back to Stanford, and I love this moment where it's Casey, Sarah, Chuck. It's like a Three Stooges moment of them peeking through a doorway. We're safe for now. I need to see what's on this disc. Hey, Chuck, that is top secret. Yeah, well, so am I. There could be answers on this disc about why I'm in the intersect. So Chuck wants to look at the disc and see what the deal is when Magnus and his thugs are on their way. That's testing data. And videotaped interviews. These are all just students. Exactly. Students that were recruited into the CIA by Fleming. Ten years worth. It's all their current information. No wonder Magnus wanted it so badly. Foreign governments pay a fortune for that. Look at this right next to 2002. Bryce Larkin. Bryce joined the CIA our junior year. That's enough. Now we know what he's after. No, wait, wait, wait. That's me. That's me. I'm in here, too. Click don't it. click it. I love the way Sarah's like, don't click it. And Casey's like, click it. It's funny because Casey seems to want to know what's on the disc too, while Sarah just doesn't want to bother looking at it right now. She wants them to get out of danger. I never applied to be in the CIA. Before Chuck can click anything, Magnus and his goons show up and just open fire. Chuck, get down! But when these moments happen where the uh, bullets start flying, Chuck is always, uh, Chuck always cowers in fear and, and he says what he really feels. Don't you think this would be a good time for me to be waiting in the car? But then Sarah has an idea. They're going to lay down some cover and Chuck just needs to get the hell out of there with the disc. Chuck, when I say go, run out the side door, protect the disc. We'll cover you. So Chuck has an idea. He's going to get on the computer, find all the recent recruits that are still there at Stanford, and call them and ask for backup. It's actually a pretty ingenious idea. And I always say, like with each episode of Chuck, especially in season one, there's always a moment where Chuck has a genius idea that has nothing to do with the intersect itself. He's just a smart guy, and he saves the day. Hi, uh, is this, is this Glenda Mitchell? We are in the science building lecture hall. It's an emergency, bring lots of big guns. I'm sorry, whoever this is, you've got the wrong number. Crap, there's a code phrase. Are you coming to the toga party? There's a place you can plan it in the quad. Let me give you the direction. Listen, we're in a situation right now. Bring any ammunition and equipment you might have for killing bad guys. You coming to the toga party? Are you coming to the toga party? party? Lots of bad guys are surrounding us. Thank you very much. Are you coming to the toga party? Bye-bye. But then Chuck gets a call from Morgan, and now we know what the hole is. It's the return desk where all these little kids are returning their games, and they all seem to have really bad attitudes. And again, we get more Lord of the Rings references. Did you get? Yeah, hey, Frodo, is that you? I thought my codename was Samwise Gamgee. Hey, Samwise, why don't you get your thumb out? Morgan, listen, this is really, really not a good time. Yeah, it's not a good time over here either, dude, okay? I'm stuck in a hole doing customer service. Ow! These kids are animals! Okay, buddy, I get that, but I'm at Stanford. What do you want me to do about it? Do you have the code to Harry Tank's master remote? I think I can use the bargain for my freedom. Okay, okay, the code is OU812 pound. 
And then Chuck gives Morgan the code to the remote, and it's OU812, which, come on, please don't tell me I have to tell you what that's a reference to. Just do a Google search if you don't know. This is why you're my hero. Thank you so much. Uh, throwing things at adults' head is not the way to... It's not going to help you in life. And now Magnus has shown up, and Chuck just barely ducks out of the way in time. Cut to Sarah and Casey, and they're running out of bullets fast. They're laying down a suppressing fire, and they're trying to fall back, but uh, they're too overwhelmed at the moment. I got half a minute. Watch your weapons and stand up. Everyone can see. I'm gonna go for it. You in? You bet. Hate long goodbyes. This is an interesting moment here. Are Casey and Sarah really going to jump up and take on these bad guys and probably go out like Butch and Sundance? And I love the way Casey says he hates long goodbyes. Drop your weapons. Looks like someone called the cavalry. Good. Because I only had one shot left. Aren't you an econ with me? And I love that one of the undercover agents is the hippie from earlier when uh, Casey told him to go take a shower. Awesome call back there. Cut back to Magnus stalking Chuck. And it looks like uh, this is it for Chuck. Uh, It's going to be a short-lived series because Magnus is definitely going to take him out here. And there's no way he'll be rescued. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Don't. You must be Chuck Bartoski. I just got your message. Are you okay? I'm just glad you checked your voicemail. Hey, look, it's the girl from the beginning of the episode, one of the professor's students. Whew, that was a close one. Now let's cut back to the Bymore, and Harry Tang is there watching boring golf. I mean, even I could tell Harry that's no way to sell HGTVs at a Bymore. Nobody's going to watch golf and go, hey, this picture looks great. But soon Harry figures out something's really wrong. Coming on now and breaking through the pack. Oh, she almost got that. What's going on? Giant lock is on the rail. She gets passed and has only the pivot to beat for another critical point here. What's happening? Grimes! Hey, what's up, Harry? What's going on? You reprogrammed my remote. Wow, you you can do that? You've gotten too far, Grimes. I've done nothing of the sort. I've, I've actually been here all day helping these. Lovely customers. Why is everyone that's returning products just in such a bad mood? But come on, I've been there too. I've had to return things to Target or Best Buy or whatever, and it is a pain in the ass having to wait in line. I may be able to fix it for a price. I want out of the hole. I'd rather take a potato peeler to my groin. Okay. Fine with me. I hope that Big Mike doesn't get too upset, though, if all the televisions just happen to change to, I don't know, Passion Cove? Quid pro quo, Harry. Yes or no? That boy. Nice and easy. Smart man. You're dismissed. I love the way Morgan does that. Boop, boop. And uh, I would never want to do that with a potato pillar, by the way. Yikes. I can't believe that game was such a wash. What a blowout. Worst game ever. It turns out the game was a blowout, I guess. It wasn't that great a game. And it's pretty funny. Awesome can't get the paint off of his face, and he looks pretty worried. It's not coming off. I think he used the wrong kind of paint. Well, what brand was it? Brand? I don't know. One of the guys picked it up. Just draw your soap. 
And I love how sometimes the show paints a picture of the past where you wish you could see the scene. And uh, because Ellie asked Chuck how his visit to Stanford went, and he said, Do you remember that time Morgan sang Peter Cetera's Glory of Love to you? So, how painful was it? Not the game, I mean. Well, uh, do you remember the evening with Morgan at the karaoke club, his cover of Peter Cetera's Glory of Love that he dedicated to you? That completely ruined Karate Kid too. Seriously, though, thanks. Thanks for pushing me. After the initial shock and horror, it was a relief to finally go back, you know, say goodbye. Well, I'm proud of you. You know, you faced your past head on. Did you find what you were looking for? Almost. You'll get there. So Ellie was right. It was very therapeutic for Chuck, but like he said, he almost got everything. He still doesn't know why Bryce betrayed him. And now here's the scene I was talking about at the beginning of this episode where Chuck up until now, it's been a fun show. It's been an an entertaining romp. It's got cool spy action. It's got uh, goofy sense of humor at the buy more. It's just a really cool show. But now it introduces something. And, you know, we've had it a little bit here and there, but this is the first time that there's some real heart. And what I mean here is I actually kind of well up when I watch this scene. Even now, Chuck has just wanted to know why this guy who is one of his best friends in college. I mean, Chuck just didn't go to Stanford for a year. You know, he even said, like, Bryce joined the CIA their junior year. There's a reason why this betrayal hit so hard, because this guy was a close friend of his. And now, finally, he's going to find out why. And this is a really great scene, you guys. You didn't think we'd let you keep that, did you? I need to know, Sarah. Okay, Chuck. Test subject 0326, Bartowski. This will be his first interview. Send Chuck in. Bryce. This isn't a good time. I'm waiting for another student. Chuck Bartowski. You never got your message. What are you talking about? You put Chuck on the CIA recruitment track. It's not up to me, Bryce. But they want him for the Omaha project. It's a military operation. They'll turn Chuck in. I'm required to send all the top test results to the agency. I want my friend out of this. He's a perfect candidate. Keywords in his essay responses correlate to 98% of the subliminal images in the exam. You don't get it. Chuck's a good person. He's got too much heart for this kind of work. He's no operative. You can't put him out in the field. He won't survive. The agency is not going to let go of a recruit this promising. The amount of information he can retain? They're not going to give him a choice? He's in no matter what. If he cheated on the exam, copied all the answers, then would invalidate the results, wouldn't it? Yes. Good. Now you're going to help me, Professor. And I love this moment here. Uh, Chuck realizes that Bryce actually saved Chuck from this life he didn't want for him. Something that would probably get him killed. And and Yvonne Strahovski does such a great job in this scene, too. Just look at her face. She wonders how Bryce could possibly be a traitor and all that stuff. But this shows the kind of person that he was he was loyal to his friend and now they have the reason why he did it it's good stuff Bryce framed me for cheating to save me why didn't he just tell me that to begin with he couldn't they had already recruited him well look if he had a good reason for getting me kicked out maybe he had a good reason to break into the intersect too and maybe he had a good reason for sending it to you I just wish I could talk to him. Must have tore him up to not be able to tell me. No one can know about this. For your own safety, okay? Sure. No one would believe me anyway. So Chuck wonders if he had a good reason for getting Chuck kicked out of school, 
maybe he had a good reason for stealing the intersect. And Sarah's like, maybe he had a good reason to send it to you. And that look on Sarah's face when she closes the door is pretty heartbreaking. And then Chuck goes back to the trash and he decides he's not going to throw away any of his Stanford stuff. It's no longer a horrible memory. Now it's a good memory. And we get a return of Don't Look Back in Anger by Oasis. As Chuck once again has a flashback to when he met Bryce Larkin. You're in WE-131? It's pretty brutal, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I... The only reason I signed up is because I'm, I'm building my own version of a... Uh... It's kind of embarrassing, actually. What? You don't remember that old computer game Zork, do you? You were likely to be eaten by a Gru. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, you uh, do remember Zork. I love that game. I mean, I haven't thought about it in a while, but... Uh, it's probably a good thing. I disagree. It's 1999. The next millennium belongs to the geek. All right. And you guys remember in the pilot when Chuck told Morgan that him and his friend Bryce Larkin were making their own version of the game Zork. And he goes, wow, you guys were really cool. And that's a callback to this. And boy, was Bryce right. It is the millennium of the geek. This guy knew what he was talking about, you guys. But still, you know, text-based computer games don't exactly play with the chicks. This girl Jill on my floor is nuts about EverQuest. Are you serious? So Chuck is going to be introduced to Jill, where he'll no doubt bump heads with her, and and then that chapter of Chuck's life will be kicked off, too. If you want, you can meet her. Really? Right now? Yeah, she's over in the quad. Uh, yeah. I, I would very much like to meet her. No, oh no, I'm, I'm fine. I, I just, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> college. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm, hi, I'm uh, uh, Chuck, by the way. Bryce. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you. So, um, she really genuinely likes EverQuest, huh? I mean, it's. Yeah, not, yeah. I, mean, I think she needs to absorb you kidding? Kidding? so she. Well, guys, that was Season 1, Episode 7, Chuck versus the Alma Mater. A great episode to a great series. And uh, whenever I watch that episode, I'm always like, oh, yeah, I really like this episode. And I had a great time talking about it with you guys. If you'd like to uh, visit my Chuck blog, go to chuckpodcast.blogspot.com. There you'll find every episode of the Chuck Series Companion. And you will see the write-ups I do for each episode and the links that I provide. Also, please subscribe to the show on iTunes and also write a review for the show. That would be really awesome. And also give a rating to the show. It'll help it show up better when you do searches for Chuck. And I will be forever grateful. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. This episode of the show is a good example of why I love Chuck so much. It comes and sneaks up on you. You're having a great time watching the you know, funny stuff of the Buy More cool spy stuff and action and gunplay and then right at the end it grabs you by the heart and that's what i love about this show and i can't wait to do even more episodes so guys thank you so much for listening and i hope you return for the next episode of the chuck series companion season one episode eight chuck versus the truth until then see you next time no more wednesday friday surfing turn Casting.